Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the programming here today. Um, we are asking that you stay with us for the next few moments as we delve into the Word of God uh, on a particular subject that, you know, I've been praying over this for a very long time. I have a lot of material on the subject that I'm not going to uh, take the time to go into here today. Um, I'm going to call this message, Asking for the Old Paths. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me please to Jeremiah chapter 6. We'll start there. There's a couple places in Jeremiah that we're going to read today. Jeremiah chapter 6, and we'll start at verse 14. Now, the, the previous verses to that talks about how the prophets and the priests have dealt falsely. And I'm going to touch on that momentarily. But before we go into this message today, let me also say that I'm not going to take the time, and, and those of you that are believers, those of you that follow this radio program, uh, and others, of course, you already basically know the problems that are in America. You already know the, the terrible sins that we commit on a national level. You already understand the things that are threatening to destroy us. So I'm not going to put that into this message. My subject is simple. I am asking for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the nation of America as a whole, to return to the old paths. And we're going to look at that for a few moments. In verse 14, Jeremiah chapter 6, it tells us this, The prophets and the priests who have dealt falsely have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. They've brought temporary solutions. It's a sad thing when we take our time from behind the pulpits of this great nation to only put a band-aid on the nation's cancer. That's a terrible thing. Especially when you understand that we have the solution. I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell you, and I'm not backing down from that, we have the solution. The church has the solution. Christian, you have the solution to America's problems, and that solution is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That solution is a return to the old paths of the Word of God. But so often in the pulpits of this land, something else is preached. Self-help is proclaimed. Psychology is heralded. And all of these things that have only healed the hurt of the people slightly, the Bible says. It brings no lasting deliverance. It brings no lasting salvation. Because there's only one thing that can bring a person lasting deliverance and lasting salvation. And that, of course, is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we as ministers are responsible to offer this generation. That's what we had better be preaching because it's the Bible, it's the gospel. And sadly and regrettably, in all too many churches and in all too many cases, that's not what is being presented. It says, you've healed 
the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now let's take a, a look at that from a, two a twofold perspective here today. First of all, it could be talking about the world scene. It could be talking about how the nation of Israel was facing enemies and false prophets were saying, don't worry about it, they're not going to attack. God had already prophesied that Israel would be defeated because of Israel's wickedness, sin, and rebellion. But the false prophets come along and they say, oh, no, no, peace, peace. That's one meaning of this phrase of Scripture. Another meaning is in reference to some of what we're seeing in the modern-day church where we tell people, you have peace with God. You are right with God, but their lifestyles haven't changed. They have not forsaken their sin. They have not stopped sinning, and they are not right with God, and they have no peace, but preachers are lying to them. To increase, oftentimes, the numbers of their churches, to get more people in. Let me tell you this. If we soften the message, if we compromise the message, if we change the message to get people into the churches, we are going to stand in judgment before Almighty God. So they were saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And then verse 15 says, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? I, su I submit to you today that America is not ashamed of the abominations she is committing. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Nothing basically describes our culture today as this verse does. And there's many reasons, and, and we are going to take some programming in the future to look at some of these reasons. There's many reasons this is true. Um, America, uh, our people here, have basically become desensitized. Through movies, through television, through video games, through all of these things, we have become desensitized to where nothing really shakes us and moves us and makes us blush anymore. And I know right now some are going to say, well, you, you know, you're just being silly and, and that's nothing, nothing wrong with a, a, an R-rated movie that shows uh, people being murdered and nothing wrong with video games and all this. Look, I'm not talking a matter of right and wrong. I'm presenting facts to you of what has happened in this nation. <clears throat> I'm also showing you that it fits the biblical pattern where they were not ashamed and they could not blush. Now look what it says. It says, therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And I've often wondered, if the Lord were to visit, if Jesus were to personally come into the United States of America today, would he be ashamed at what he saw his people doing and participating in? Would he be ashamed at the way that we live our lives with our eyes so much on materialism and so far away from the spiritual things that the early church championed? 
And not only just the early church, but the pioneers that founded America championed the spiritual realities of the Bible. But we have been far removed from that posture. And I've often wondered how Jesus would react if he would visit us. So in verse 16 of Jeremiah chapter 6, the Lord says this, Stand you in the way and see and ask for the old paths. That's what I'm doing here today. I'm asking for the old paths. I'm hungry for a real Holy Spirit revival. I'm asking for the Lord to show up in unprecedented ways. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And for just a moment before we read further, I want you to consider this with me as we look at the modern church in, in our country today. I'm reading a book right now by A.W. Tozier called The Voice of the Prophet. And very early on in this book, Brother Tozier discusses the fact that there is a huge disconnect between the fathers and the sons. And he's talking uh, fathers in the faith and the sons in the faith. Fathers of the prophets and sons of the prophets. There's this huge disconnect. And it used to bother A.W. Tozier, as it bothers me, when you see a church advertising and it simply says, this is not your father's church, or this is not your grandfather's church. And A.W. Tozier detested that statement, as do I. And he said, well, then whose church is it? Because you see, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't change. And beloved, I care not what style of Christian music that you listen to and utilize in your church. I care not the version of the Bible that you read from. That's not what we're talking about here today. But what we are saying today is it seems that the sons of the prophets have changed the message that was first and foremost that their fathers presented. It seems in America that the message, the emphasis of the church has become something different today than it was in the early days of the pioneering and the founding of this country. Today it seems that the message that is on most people's hearts uh, as it regards their church, it seems as if it's a motivational talk. It seems like it is a self-help help effort or some prosperity thing to help you to climb the ladder of success. But that's not the gospel. And I'm, I'm not against the blessings of God and I'm not against being motivated and everybody needs that once in a while. I'm not against a good positive message of you can make it and, and your life can be better in Jesus I'm not against any of that, so please don't think that. But what I am saying is the gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel is that he died for the sins of the world. And right now in the United States of America, because I believe, my opinion, we have left the old paths. We've got churches full of people today that aren't even saved. 
We've got churches full of people who are going to church for whatever reason. And you would say, well, thank God, at least they can get the word. Yes, but the word in so many of those cases is not even being preached. Now, if, if the word is being preached, then yes, by all means, unsaved, please come on. We want to preach the word to you. We want to preach the gospel. But sadly, in all too many of these situations, the gospel is not even being preached. And you have people that think they're saved because they joined a church or because they started going to church. But then there's no evident change within their lives. They have not forsaken sin. They do not live to the glory of God. They do not pursue the kingdom of righteousness. And it's because the church has left the old paths. What are those old paths? And again, I've got a ream of notes that I've taken for this particular series. And we're going to get into them in the future. But today, that's not my, not my genre. Today, I'm just asking you to bear with me and cry out with me for the old paths. To once again be established in our churches. What are the old paths? First of all, the church needs to return to the old path of the blood of Jesus Christ. How many of you listening at me right now know and understand how to plead the blood? Well, the church needs to get back to preaching that. Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that accomplished everything you or I will ever need as Christians and everything we need to make it to heaven was provided for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the church needs to get back to preaching the blood. The church needs to get back to laying in the altar and crying out for the lost. When's the last time you saw that in your church? where the old saints of God would lay on their face in the altar and weep and cry for the unsaved people who are dying and going to hell in their community. And they would cry out for God to save them. That's the old paths. Not only do we need to return to the blood and return to the altar, but we need to return to intercessory prayer for the United States of America and not a prayer that is based on some false hope as if we were a Christian beacon shining in a darkened night but an intercessory prayer that would come against the sins that America is committing and that we would call forth righteousness to be poured out by the Holy Spirit we need to return to the blood. We need to return to the altar, to intercessory prayer. And we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in America once again. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will fill us to overflowing. 
an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to where that when we speak, men will not be able to resist what we say because the, uh, the anointing is so heavy upon us. And so when we preach the gospel, souls will actually get saved and born again and delivered from sin. This today is the cry of my heart. We need to return to the blood. We need to return to the altar. We need to return to intercessory prayer. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These are the old paths. We also need a pioneering spirit and attitude in America once again. Do you realize that once upon a time, we led the world in technology? We led the world in development. We led the world in, in intelligentsia. Why? Because we have a covenant with God. But America has turned her back on her covenant with God. And now our SAT scores are some of the lowest in the world. As God, little by little, removes his hand from this great nation. But we can see God's blessing again if we will turn to Christ. If we'll return to the old paths, we need a pioneering spirit in America once again. I want to read something to you that Dutch Sheets uh, said re recently, and it blessed me, and I'm going to read it to you here today. <clears throat> Our founding fathers realized the United States of America was God's idea and were determined to establish it his way under his authority, and for his purposes. Since that time, however, we have turned God's dream for America into the American dream. You see the difference there? We started out, ladies and gentlemen, with God's dream for America. But through secularizing that, it's now called the American dream. And the American dream is self-seeking and all about materialism and power. And patriotism alone, as important as that might be, will not lead America back to greatness. Secular patriots would have us believe America could be great without God. And they believe that our greatness is due to our own abilities, determination, and natural resources. And that, my friend, is foolish pride and deception. The scriptures teach that righteousness exalts a nation, and a nation is blessed whose God is the Lord. And I want you to take the time later on to look those verses up in Proverbs 14.34 and Psalm 33.12. Let's listen to what Abraham Lincoln wrote in a proclamation in March of 1863. Abraham Lincoln said, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. Now listen to this. A guy today in 2016 could be saying these same words. Let's start all over and read. This is what Abraham Lincoln said in March of 1863. But listen. <clears throat> we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power. 
as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. Now, Abraham Lincoln says this in 1863. And if in 1863 America had forgotten God, as Abraham Lincoln said they did, how much more have we left the old paths here in 2016? Look at what's happening in the world around about us. If this was true in Lincoln's time, it is even more true in our time today. Abraham Lincoln goes on to say, We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts. Now this is an American president. I don't even see how what we've got in there now could even remotely compare themselves to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a man of God. A man with insight into the scriptures. I want to read this again. Because this is powerful. Listen to this. Abraham Lincoln said, But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and persevering grace we have become too proud to pray to the God that made us Abraham Lincoln said these things in 1863 and these and they are just as relevant for us today and even more so because in our in our bravado in our greatness as a nation, we see because of a refusal to stay with the old paths, we see the seeds of our destruction in our very greatness. America that produced the, the rugged individualism that changed the world's face. America that produced... Uh, uh, the technology and the mass production and manufacturing of the world, but in all of it, because we left the old paths of God, the seed of our destruction is found in our greatness. Because anytime you think you can be great without God, God's going to bring you to your knees and prove to you that you can't do it. I personally believe that that right now, today, is where America is. I further believe, without going into a political discussion in this message at all, but I further believe that this election is going to tell the tale in many ways as to whether or not further judgment is released right now upon the nation of America. Whichever way this election swings is whichever way judgment's going to swing, I believe, 
for the foreseeable future. Now I want to share a little bit more here with you. We need in America today. Well, let, me, let me back up for just a moment. Because I mentioned to you that in, in our greatness is also found the seeds of our destruction. We have become a nation filled with complacent Christians. So now we are now a subculture rather than counterculture. We've become conformist. We are no longer a nation discipling people for Jesus Christ that he commanded us to be in Matthew 28, 19. And so <clears throat> we need to return to the old paths of spirituality, the old paths of patriotism, the old paths of the pioneer spirit in America once again. We need to return to the word of Almighty God. We need to preach the blood. We need to preach repentance of sin and the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And Jesus saves, heals, delivers, and sets free. And Jesus is soon to come. And we need to preach once again from the pulpits of America that every one of us will one day very soon stand before the judgment seat of Almighty God. And it'll, if, if, you will, if you will respond to the Holy Spirit, that will change the way we live in this nation. Consider the words of George Washington and John Quincy Adams as we move along in this message. George Washington said, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion, and morality are indispensable supports. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. George Washington, first president of the United States. John Quincy Adams said, The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond, the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. And I'm not going to go into this anymore right now for today's message, but let me say to you this, that this common phrase that you hear over and over and over again from politicians, from legislators, from administrations, of separation in church and state. Separation of church and state is a complete and total lie. It is a complete fabrication drawn out of a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to a Baptist preacher, basically assuring the Baptist preacher that we will not prefer one religion over another in the United States of America, and that you, dear sir, will be free to preach the gospel as your conscience demands. Now that's the truth, and America had better wake up before they steal every right, every freedom, and every privilege that God affords us, and that God intended for this great nation to champion across the world. And I'll tell you what, if they force us to unplug from the internet, I'll preach it on every street corner, I'll preach it in the parking lots. I'll preach it in the fields. I'll preach it wherever people will gather until America has a Holy Ghost revival and turns back to the old paths and turns back to God. Notice the response that the children of Israel gave. 
The Lord had promised them, if you'll go back to the old paths, you'll find rest for your souls. Remember, now we're in Jeremiah 6. If, you, if you'll go back to the old paths, we could say it this way for us today, America, if you'll start preaching the cross again, if you'll start preaching the blood again, if you'll start preaching repentance again, if you'll start preaching holy living if you'll start preaching the word of Almighty God and go back to the old paths, you will find rest for your souls. But I am afraid that Americans are doing just what the children of Israel did when they said, we will not walk therein. And during that process in verse 17, God said, also, I set watchmen over you. God has warned America time and time again through great prophetic voices that have arisen. I've set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet, but they said, we will not hearken. It's sad, and it all begins, the Bible says that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of those who do not obey the gospel? And it's sad when the modern church doesn't want to hear a voice of warning and a trumpet call to repentance, but they want to hear things, smooth things and easy things, and they want to hear things that will stroke their ego and make them feel appreciated in all of this trite, and a nation is dying and going to hell before our very eyes. And so as for me and my house, I say today, give me the old paths. I'll take prayer and Bible reading in my home. I will take the blood of Jesus as the only way the only way, the only way to get to heaven, the blood of Jesus Christ. I will take a Holy Ghost outpouring according to Acts 2 and 4 in my home. I will establish a prayer altar in my life where I retreat and meet with God on a daily basis. Why? Because I'm going back to the old paths. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And when the voice speaks, the, the prophetic voice, I mean a real one, with a trumpet voice of warning to America or to my own personal life, whatever, I will hearken to it by the help and grace of God. And these are choices that we each have to make. Because I can guarantee you this. Things cannot long continue as they are. Do you hear me? This has become a day where we don't like phrases like I'm about to lay on you. But I'm going to blow the lid off this right now and tell you that just like the Bible says, it is still repent or perish. And we don't like words like that today. Because we want to hear how sweet and wonderful we are. And we want to hear about what great potential we have. And I'm going to tell you something. It's what got America into trouble in the first place. We need to get back 
to the old paths. I do believe you can be a champion for God, but only if you're in Christ. I do believe that you have great potential within you, but only because and only if the Holy Spirit is within you, because He is the potential and He is the champion. So get your eyes off of all of those worries and concerns and all the popular motivational gurus that you flock to in the American church and come back to the old sawdust trail gospel. And the Bible promises that, that if we will preach repentance, people will repent. And if we will preach deliverance from sin, people will be delivered. And if we will preach the glory of God, we will experience the glory of God. I want to tell you something. Stop looking for the glory of God in physical manifestation. Now, now hear me. I'm not against physical manifestations. And when God starts pouring out His Spirit, stuff's going to happen. I understand that. But we don't have to work up anything to get into the glory. All we simply have to do is preach Jesus Christ and the glory will come. So don't try to stand there and get people to run around the building. If they do, fine. If the Spirit truly falls and they run, great. I'll run with them. I've done that before. I've taken a few laps around the church in my day. But you don't have to set the tone and set the aviance and turn all the lights off in the building. You hear what I'm saying? And you don't have to try to work up this stuff. Stuff that's strange and odd and call it revival. If nobody's life's being changed, if sin is not being forsaken, you're not having revival. I don't care how much movement you have. But if... You will preach Jesus Christ. And if you will preach in such a way that you will bring glory to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the only way to get to heaven, if you will preach Jesus Christ, healings will come. Miracles will come. Blessing will come. But most importantly, and the way you'll know if you're really having a revival, People will get saved. They will forsake their sin. They will live a life of repentance. They will move forward in holiness. Then you know you've got true revival. Then you know you have returned to the old paths once again. And on that path, the sun of God's power will shine upon that path. The, the awesomeness of a move of the Holy Ghost will take place on the old path. But they said, we won't walk in that. You know, I've seen people go into church services and jump and shout and buck and shake and walk out still cussing their neighbor, still no victory in their minds, still no victory over their tongues, still bound by habits. I've seen that. You know why? Because bucking and shaking and shouting and jumping and rolling on the floor is not revival. I'm not against those things. 
Don't go, don't go off and say, well, Brother Pastor, he's against all anything that the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm not against it. But it's not the Holy Spirit doing it if lives aren't being changed. That's what I'm telling you. The hallmark of every genuine move of God through all of time and history, the hallmark, the evidence of it is repentance of sin and lives that are changed. And that is what God is looking for right now. But the church world, by and large, has said, we don't want to walk in that. We want to know how big a ministry we deserve. We want to know how much money we can get. Great portions of the church world today is simply trying to use Jesus to get stuff. And all the while, God is saying, ask for the old paths, because that's where the good way is. And when you find out this great truth, walk in it. And if you will walk in it, I will spare your land, and I will pour out a blessing that you will not have room enough to contain if you will walk in the old paths in this hour. Now let's turn over real quick as we close. To Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18. <clears throat> Jeremiah 18. Verse 15. Because my people hath forgotten me. And they have burned incense... To vanity. Vanity. So much of what takes what's taken place under the guise of Christianity today is vanity. And it's as if the modern church were burning incense to a vain idol. Whether it's an idol of popularity or an idol of greed or an idol of ego or an idol of status, or position, or prestige, but yet we burn incense to it. What does that mean? It means we worship it. For too long now, the churches have been playing numbers games. I don't care if you've got ten people in your church. If you're preaching the old-timey gospel, you're going to have ten of the most saved-up people, hallelujah, that can. they actually do have the potential to change your community. Changing your community has nothing to do with filling your building. Now your building may very well get full when people really start getting saved. But changing your community will require preaching the gospel and returning to the old paths of intercessor and prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord and turning your back on the worldly things that have captured the attention of our culture and our generation. Because my people have forgotten me and they have burnt incense to vanity and they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, to walk in paths in a way not cast up. Or in other words, that we have, we have traded the ancient paths, we have traded the old paths for paths that God has not designed. And I could go on 
and on and on along this line. And there are going to be, this is going to be an entire series as we look at the old paths and we look at God's call to us as Christians in a culture who has forsaken him days without number to repentance. But for today, I will say this. I challenge everyone who follows this ministry, who listens to this broadcast, who watches us over television, who comes to our revival services, I challenge every one of you to begin to cry out to the Lord and ask for the old paths. You say, well, you just kind of defined it a little bit. You didn't go into great detail, but you told us a little bit of what it was. So we already know. But God wants to show you things along the way in this journey as you ask him for the old paths. And he wants to place you in a place where you can have maximum impact in this generation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many understands today that God wants you to be low maintenance and high impact? And I've got to be honest with you, lately I've just seen a bunch of Christians who are just so high maintenance, it's pathetic. Constantly have to be told they're doing a good job. Constantly having to be stroked. Egos that constantly have to be fed. It's sickening, folks. It really is sickening. Just get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get back to proclaiming the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, and miracles will take place, lives will be changed, sick bodies will be healed, and God will prepare a body who will be ready for the rapture, which is the next great event on the prophetic horizon of time. As for me, I'm asking for the old paths. God, God, we need the blood. We need the blood. We need the blood. God, we need prayer to be paramount in our lives once again. And oh God, we need to, to mix fasting with our prayer. And we need to die to self. Die to ego and die to the need to be noticed and recognized. Old paths. I told somebody the other day, the Apostle Paul never sought attention. And neither did Peter. And neither did Jesus. And neither did any of the other ones. They were not approval addicts like we are today. Oh God, give me the old paths. The path of the blood. The, the, the path of the Holy Ghost. The path of prayer and fasting and death to self. The path to holy living, God, we desire that more than we desire anything in our heart and life. And when we get to that place, when we get that hungry for the real God of the Bible, God will move in our midst. And he will change our nation. He will change our world. And most importantly, he'll change us. Because as I close, I'm going to simply say this. We were never called to save society. 
It's, it's, it sounds great, sounds noble, sounds like a wonderful idea, but God never intended it for it to happen, and it won't happen. We will not save society. We are called and we are commissioned by that book and by the Spirit of God and by the blood of the Lamb to go out and save people out of society. And the only way we can do that is by preaching the real gospel and presenting and glorifying the real Jesus of the Bible to this generation. Father, I'm not done, but the Spirit of God is telling me to quit. Father God, I, please place your anointing upon this. Father God, I ask, I repent for any of those ways that I have drifted into the new norm in the church, and I ask you, Lord, to bring us back to the old paths. Father God, show us the error of our ways and help us to receive that correction and to change by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. And I ask that you drive this word to our hearts like an arrow of deliverance and bless the people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And as I said, we did not preach this message even close, even close to its entirety. So please uh, be watching for uh, advertisements about the program as we present more installments along these lines. And we're going to look at some more statistics and some facts and figures. But today, I wanted to just share with you what's been on my heart uh, for the last few uh, days and uh, months, really, and even years, and encourage you. Tell somebody about the programming here on this Spreaker radio channel. Tell somebody about us. Tune in, get your family, and gather around the computer. And uh, usually we have music. We did not air music today, just this message. But tune in as often as you can because God is doing a miraculous thing in the hearts and lives of so many as he's bringing us back to the old paths. And don't forget, neighbor, ask for the old paths because that's the good way and that's the way of blessing. In Jesus' name, I'll see you later. Bye-bye.